Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is the first 90 days. How do you set yourself up to be successful? Let's do this. Hey, hey guys, you're listening to Kinda Dating. I'm Natasha Chandel. Hey! As always, do us a little solid. Follow us on social media. I know you're on there. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kinda Dating. I really love to hear from you guys, and I appreciate all the messages and comments you leave me, even if it's on my personal. Uh, but make sure you try to follow our show. Uh, we have lots of articles, and we post um, a bunch of BTS stuff and, and some cool exclusives, so check it out. All right, today... I have a really, really, really great guest, somebody I've been uh, looking forward to talking to for a long time. She is clinical psychologist, author, media personality, and host of The Wendy Walsh Show on AM640. She's also a CNN and former Fox contributor, and you might know her as one of Bill O'Reilly's ousters. I would love to welcome my fellow Canadian and RTA-er, uh, Wendy Walsh. I like to think of us as global women, uh, don't you? Totally. It's fun to have a number of passports. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> though I though I do love my Canadian one with a little more. <laughs> you know, when we travel international, we pull that one out. I know, oh, no. I know. Everybody loves us, too. Um, thank you so much for being on. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so you... Have been in the news lately. I've been slaying dragons. <laughs> you know, it's busy life of a mother here. Out it in is. Beach. It is. Uh, you came out as one of uh, the people that uh, have was sexually harassed yeah. by an employee of Fox, and I really think I was a very small piece of a much much larger mm -hmm. story. And really, the only reason I had the legal ability to tell my story was simply that. Um, I didn't have a claim, a legal claim. I didn't complain to anybody. Um, I wasn't after money. I'm not after money. Um, I shrugged it off and tried to navigate my way around the landmine yeah. like most women do, Yeah, unfortunately. It didn't help. And, and you know, I, I've uh, seen about a few of your interviews and read some articles and... Uh, it was great because you have two daughters, and I think, and you had mentioned the reason you had also decided to come out was because you wanted to do this for your daughters. And a lot of people don't understand the whole sexual assault, um, just the dilemma that women face and men well, who let's go through differentiate it as well. between assault and harassment. Oh, sorry, harassment. Right. Sorry, harassment. Yes. Yeah. So the whole, um, just the, the dilemma because people think like, well, why didn't this person come out before? And they don't understand the the awkwardness dealing with the trauma forget about the awkwardness yeah. human resources would laugh at you yeah especially because it's okay so yeah. what we've done is made this issue become a serious issue now in mm -hmm. workplaces by having this national discourse the listeners are hey look what uber's doing now cleaning up their company yep. because of it right it's a trickle-down effect but the the listeners are the mid-sized companies the large companies the small mom-and-pop businesses who understand now there are only two kinds of sexual harassment folks i want to tell everybody it's okay to tell a coworker they're beautiful. It's okay to tell a coworker you like your new haircut, it, their new haircut. It's okay to tell a coworker that's a great looking dress on them. That's legal and absolutely part of workplace camaraderie. What is not okay is what's called quid pro quo, either an offer of a job or promotion that is withdrawn after a sexual favor mm -hmm. is doesn't take place, um, or a toxic, highly sexualized 
uh, environment. Yeah. You know, that locker room talk that's heavy duty, yeah. right? Uh, but, you know, being polite. I mean, if I said to you, I love that top. It looks so great on you. Yeah. But if I said your tits look great in that top, exactly. that's sexual yeah. harassment, yeah. right? So yeah. we have to understand that if we talk about sexual body parts or we talk in a way that... Um, or trying to lead the conversation to go elsewhere. It's happened to me several times where at work I've had clients or somebody say, well, we should go meet at this hotel after. And you're like, no. Those little jokes. Or yeah. we could just talk here right now yeah, <laughs> in public. Right. Which is um, what happened to me. I mean, essentially, I had a business dinner with Mr. Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. where he offered me a job as a contributor at Fox. And, and then it was a dinner like any other two adults. At dinner, we talked about our kids, our marriages, whatever the mm-hmm. things adults talk about. And then when dinner, but it wasn't flirtatious. I want to be really clear about that, except for only one time he said, you're a very beautiful woman, which, you know, it's a television business. It's a look business, and right? you are a beautiful woman. But then when we walked out of the restaurant... And I turned to go to the bar and he turned towards the rooms and said, no, come back to my room. That was that defining moment Yeah, where I went, "Mm, you know what? Anything we need to talk about regarding my career at Fox can pretty much take place in public. Mm -hmm. So that was the thought in my head. And I tried to, as women do, try to make nice and be sweet. And I was like, oh, Bill, you know, we're both raising (laughs) teenage girls. We should probably make some good choices to model for them. Right. And um, he wasn't happy about that Mm -hmm. and slowly weaned me off the show. Right. And what a dick. (laughs) I'm just I'm just going to say that (laughs) up front. Um, No, that happens a lot. And like when I've been in those situations, because people, again, when they ask things like, well, why don't why don't women come out? I say, like, I don't know about you. For me, it, it's been sometimes I laugh it off because I'm so I, I'm in a little shock and awe. I feel a little nervous in the situation I'm in. I came very close to actually a, a cop would deem it as sexual assault where I had, you know, a former agent try to do something also at a hotel and and people were like well why aren't you coming out I said it's his word against mine I don't have any actual proof that this person did mm-hmm. anything unless their cameras ro- rolling somewhere but as far as I know they're not yeah um, well you know what I learned Gmail saves everything yeah. yeah so I had emails from Fox employee procuring this dinner setting yeah. it up and I, I really believe in some ways I was targeted because I have an email from a or a, a, from a producer saying call me and when I called him he was like uh you know, Bill O'Reilly just saw you on TV. He said, get that woman on my show. Like, Mm. did they procure me specifically for him to take me out to that hotel? Yeah. And, um, and then an email, you know, basically firing me, like Mm -hmm. everything, you know, Mm -hmm. so, uh, and, and I will say Fox News lawyers did not fire Bill O'Reilly because Wendy Walsh told a story in the New York Times. They did a very thorough investigation. They were given email evidence. Um, They asked me to supply the names of five friends and colleagues who I told back in 13 immediately afterwards, including my attorney at the time. They did extensive interviews with all those five people. And there were, I mean, he admitted to, uh, and and Fox admitted to settling $16 million with five different cases. Yeah, yeah. 13 million with him in the past. And there may be more. These mm-hmm. are, the, as I said, these are the only ones yeah, that, this, that we know of. That Emily Steele of the of New course. York Times, smart-ass feminist uh, <laughs> investigative reporter, dug up. Yeah. But the whole point is what they've been doing for twenty years is removing women from their jobs, mm-hmm. silencing them with a legal agreement, and continuing to promote these men and pay them more money. Yeah. And so we now know that three are gone, and 
maybe more. And how have you how have you dealt with that overall in your career? If you were to give any advice to young women out there who are dealing with it, how do you keep your chin up through all of that? Well, I'm happy to say it's a different environment now. Because, <laughs> because what happened? I don't know. I don't know. I well, don't know. what happened with Bill O'Reilly? A different environment in the sense that human resources after this will pay mm. attention. Yes. But what happened with Bill O'Reilly was probably the most mild thing that ever happened in my mm-hmm. life. I mean, I had awful, like the physical assaults, tongue shoved down my throat by you yeah. know executive producers. I mean, crazy. It was when I was a young woman, right? And we all just sort of laugh it off and push. I'd call my agent to report it. I'd call my attorney, and they'd all say, you know, you can't. They'll blackball you in the industry. Exactly. You can't, yeah. Right? So the difference is now they're taking women seriously. Mm. And, you know, just like Bill Bratton cleaned up New York by asking cops to focus on the small crimes, the graffiti, Mm -hmm. the pickpocketing, the littering, whatever. And then you get to the bigger stuff. I think that's what we all need to do as men and women in workplaces. And I specifically want to say to men that... It's really important when you hear language at the office or uh, competent female employees being sexualized at the office in commentary that you step up and go, hey, dude, yeah. no, we don't talk like that here. Yeah. Um, and that's really important that men sort mm-hmm. of enforce each other. Um, and secondly, when a woman gets the, I call it the light crime, the little comment, the joke yeah. about, hey, well, let's finish this conversation, my hotel, ha, ha, yeah, ha. Yeah. They'd say it in a joking way. Then it's up to us to not laugh that off put a dead serious face on and say, actually, I know that sounds like a funny joke, but it didn't feel so good to me. And watch, they'll apologize right there on the spot and they will be trained. This Mm -hmm. is how we train them. Yeah. Now the big stuff, go to human resources. I agree. It's time. Don't be afraid. You got to be brave. You got to be honest. You got to document. Just be impeccable with your truth. Mm -hmm. One of the things that my attorney, Lisa Bloom, told me, which was so important, she said, don't ever speculate. Don't make up. If you don't remember something, just say, I don't remember it. But I remember this. And that's the truth, Mm -hmm. right? And so just, and make sure that your story is the same, the same, the same, the same. She said, you're going to get so sick of telling the story. You're going to want to change it just to make it more interesting. Don't. Yeah, don't. And that's what I did. I Mm -hmm. just stuck to the, all the facts that I remembered. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for uh, coming out and speaking out and, and, you know, representing women. And just I I actually think, you know, we we shouldn't just say that there are a lot of men who are also uh, harassed uh, at at their workplace and in life. So if anybody's going through that, uh, please speak out. Um, I did a call in show on during the midst of it all um, on my KFI AM 640 show. And I just asked only male victims of sexual harassment mm-hmm. to call in. And some of the stories were astounding. Oh, yeah. yeah. I My friends tell me, I have one guy friend that uh, Aisha and I know who's, you know, a very handsome young man and tells me about the women that have literally grabbed his crotch yeah. bosses and, you know, slapped and I think his it's asses. Okay. But, but he laughs it off because he's kind of, you know, he's physically much bigger than them so he's not worried that they're going to do anything but when I talked to him and he didn't understand full locker talk he's like I don't understand why girls get so upset about like locker talk like you get it right because for me I grew up around boys so he's like you get it it's like and I go look I I don't get it in a certain capacity I get it in a certain capacity and I don't get it in, in when it crosses a line because the thing that the only way men would understand the way women feel about being sexually harassed is if, if a straight guy gets hit on by a gay guy, that's the only time that they feel the most uncomfortable they've ever felt and they feel a physical threat because a gay guy could probably take them on physically as well. And that's and what we so, feel like 100% and this of the time. Is, and, yeah. now I, and then I said to him, I said, now make that gay guy your boss. 
Yeah. And then he goes, oh. Yeah. And I was like, so now you're in a room. And then he, you know, also revealed some some stories that have happened where, uh, you know, a boss tried you know, to hit on him. And I said, didn't it make you feel extremely uncomfortable? And what did you do? He's like, I laughed it off. I said, exactly. That's what we because, do. And then after that, he had just kind of had a sour taste in his mouth about this guy. But it's just, you know, it's... It just sucks. Nobody should feel this. Well, the other conversation we need to have is workplaces are a place where many people meet their romantic partner, their their mate. So it is, it's not supposed to be a mating marketplace, yeah. but it is because the bulk of the workforce tend to be young people in their childbearing years where yeah. they are mating, right? So the the conversation we need to have is, is it possible to give sexual consent at all if somebody is a higher up? And I don't think it is possible. If someone yeah, holds you your paycheck, no, no, even you if you think it's cute to date the boss, you're, you're, no, you to the boss, I will say, whether you're male or female, if you date an underling, you risk a sexual harassment oh, lawsuit yeah, totally. and claim because that person doesn't. Yeah. You can't ever know 100% if they like yeah. you for you. And look, my, the power. my ex is, you know, he's a he's a studio exec and uh, actually was like, I would have hired you 100% if we weren't dating, but we can't because it's conflict of interest. And I wouldn't want that either because of the same thing, the way other people look at it. It just becomes, you know, oh, somebody's getting fav- favorited, whatever. It's like, I don't need to deal with that shit. And right. neither does he. So yep. better to kind of keep off of it. Um, okay. We're here to actually talk about dating. Dating. Um, but I felt like that was a really important thing to talk to you about. So thank you. Um, all right. We're talking the first 90 days. Guys, I know we often don't even get to 90 days. But if you do <laughs> get to 90 days, uh, well, how can I think, we? I think that you shouldn't think that you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend until you hit 90 days. Oh, agreed. Yes. Yes. You and I agree on that. People go out on like three dates and they're like, so I have this boyfriend. I know. Now. Oh, it's <laughs> so cute. It's such like, a weird thing here because uh, in, in New York, you could be dating for like years and nobody there. You're still saying you're hanging out in L.A. Oh, I know. I know a girl who was literally five dates in. She goes, so I have a boyfriend. And I was like, wait, if after five dates, I was right. like, OK, sure. So what you're talking about are examples of attachment style. Yeah, play of course. In the dating arena. Yeah. So there are those with an avoided and emotionally avoidant attachment style who will, quote unquote, hang out for years like me. without okay. the commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are those who have an anxious attachment style who need definition very, very quickly. Yeah. And the truth is we all need to live in the land of unknowing for 90 yeah. days. And during that time, we should be evaluating each other mm. and we should be having conversations. Now, the first conversation I think people need to have. And I, I found this great research study called the Passion Turning Point Study. And I think the author's name is Sandra Metz. And she looked at uh, f- the advent of first sexual contact in a new relationship. And she discovered that it is a major passion turning point, obviously. Mm. It could make the relationship more secure mm-hmm. and be happier. It could cause somebody to feel like, yay, this was great. Or it could evoke apologies and regrets. Mm. But she learned that if there are a couple things that happened before that advent of that first sex, it was more likely to be a positive passion turning point. And the most important thing is simply the what is this or what are we about yeah. to do? Yeah. What happens next. Now, if two people are choosing to hook up 
and they're both clear because, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of women out there who think, well, I'll just be like the fun girl. I won't let him know I really want him to be my boyfriend. And so I won't really, exactly. you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're clear that you want mm-hmm. a one-off sexual encounter, then, and you express that verbally, mm-hmm. then both people know what it is. And the next day and breakfast in bed, there's no weirdness because you exactly. know what it is. Yeah, right? because you've communicated it. You've and communicated said, yeah. it. So having that conversation is the hardest thing for human beings to oh, do. Oh, Yeah. But it is the bravest and smartest and will make your relationship life cleaner. Trust yeah, me. We, we, did an, we did an episode on uh, Friends with Benefits and we said that there's actually a good, actually the guest was also Canadian. Uh-huh. And, and we talked about how we've been able to have those good relationships with those people because we've been clear right from the beginning and there is no like changing down the line or if somebody does change and you have a conversation about it and you go oh okay well this isn't where I am or this is where I am and blah 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 and really both he and I had come out of it not feeling like or not having any relationship be marred or somebody left upset because so let me ask you this it's clear there is a gender difference and people don't like it when i you know we're in this wonderful gender neutral world right now but you know biology that (laughs) we're in two different biological vessels so have you ever started hooking up with a guy and it was supposed to be hookups and then a few weeks months into it you started thinking you know i actually like him you know, Why hasn't he called me back? I haven't heard from him in a week. I am not the traditional girl. And I've often had conversations with my girlfriends that sex to me is not emotional. Like, it, it, it feels better when I'm actually in love with the person. So 100% that so, But I'm asking emotion. you, have you ever had the no. change or the shift ever? I, uh, I have not. Um, there's one person that I just, we both really like each other, but we don't live near each other. So that's maybe that's the only- That's nice and safe for you. No, it's, it's not even like <laughs> meant to be. I just came back and miss him already. No. Um, well, what is more common with women is women- But yes, that's, those up. are my friends. Yeah. Those are my friends. My girlfriend does that all the time. They start to emit yeah. oxytocin, which is our big, mm-hmm. oxytocin is the big bonding hormone. And it's emitted in large amounts during female orgasm. Mm-hmm. Men have it a bit too, but women in huge amounts. The only other time in our lifespan when we excrete huge amounts of oxytocin is when we're breastfeeding mm-hmm. to help bond and connect us with our baby. So what often happens is that women will enter a hookup relationship thinking this is just sports sex. And then I'll get the call going, why hasn't he called back? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I thought you said you were just hooking up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He should at least call back. And it's because their body is bonding yeah. without them knowing. I don't. So maybe I just don't secrete oxytocin. <laughs> well, I, I don't know you well enough, no, but no. you started off the conversation by saying that you're more emotionally avoidant. So yes, that yeah. would supersede <laughs> yes, any yes, biological. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you brought up that good point because I was going to ask you. By the way, you, do you know a healer for you? A biological healer for you? I don't know if I want Breastfeeding. Oh, oh, good God. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Because so it, my dad always says, just have a is. baby. <laughs> I, uh, I did my dissertation. I followed 100 pregnant women for a year and looked at their romantic attachment style and then compared it to their breastfeeding outcomes. My hypothesis being that the more emotionally avoidant people were, the more they would succumb to our cultural barriers not to nurse. Um, you know, I had to get back to work. I had to lose weight. My husband wanted the boobs back. Uh, no, the mother-in-law needed to give her a bottle. All those things, right? <laughs> there are a million yeah, reasons yeah, yeah. you can reasons, come up with yeah. to rationalize why you don't breastfeed. And they're very legitimate mm. rationalizations, by the way. And... Um, so what I found out is that people who are more avoidant actually don't sign up for my studies. So my that, that particular study group of, of that group was the smallest. So it was hard to make real statistical analysis. But 
I also learned that by pushing through in breastfeeding, because think of it, breastfeeding is the most intimate relationship Mm. of the lifespan. Did you know when you nurse a newborn baby, it's 20 minutes per breast. There's 40 minutes. God damn. Skin to skin contact. That shit hurts. Staring into another human's eyes. That's true. For like eight times in a 24 hour Babies are so cute to look at. Yeah. It's a seven hour job a day. And we expect women to go to work full time and then do that seven hours Mm -hmm. somewhere in between. But what happens is the hormones change in the mother. Mm. And that's how it's not that breastfed babies are that much better or healthier. It's that breastfed breastfeeding mothers are different people interesting they literally but change. there's there's a, in general an overall chemistry to being in love right and this yeah. is why the these 90 days are so crucial because well people get so attached in the beginning not realizing that it's just the, the chemicals <laughs> yeah but that, not realizing it's really chemicals stuck. happening not that you're really listening right. and seeing and observing if this person is right for you so love affects the brain exactly like a pleasurable drug. Right. And if you start to take a recreational pleasurable drug, Mm -hmm. as you know, at the beginning, it feels really good. Mm -hmm. You get high. You keep taking it. After a while, though, your neurotransmitters get accustomed to it. And it actually doesn't feel good. If you talk to a drug addict, it does not feel good to take more heroin. Unfortunately. I mean, it's like that time when you're just like so in love with somebody that you're almost just like, Oh, my God. Like, where is this going to go? But unfortunately, it hurts a lot to go through withdrawal. Mm. So people stay addicted. The pleasure centers of their brain stay addicted because they can't tolerate the withdrawal. Mm -hmm. The same with love. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, it's hot and exciting. And then, you know, you're in the shower and they come in and take a poop and they're farting in your face. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, ooh. And you've lost that spark. But you don't want to break up. Because withdrawal is going to hurt a lot, mm-hmm. so people staying these—that's why the first ninety days is crucial. But or or it happens vice versa. It could be that you end up staying in something you shouldn't stay in, or you end up just being like, "Oh, well, this isn't right anymore." Oh, the spark is gone, boom, and you just switch and you break up. Yeah, both of which are not looking for another yeah, high. Exactly, a new exactly. drug. Yeah, um, and so, I always say that we have to. If we're hoping to have good relationships, we need to look for good enough relationships. Yeah, and we also need to understand that everybody's crazy. Oh, yeah. Everybody has their own little brand of craziness. All we can hope is to find somebody whose craziness we can tolerate, Mm -hmm. and it matches ours pretty well. Yep. So what are some of the things that people kind of... uh, What mistakes do we make very traditionally in the first 90 days? Yes. So women move way too fast. Women fall in love faster than men in general. Yeah. Present company excluded. So... uh, what ends up happening is it's the oldest trade in the history of the human species. Women trade sex to receive love. Mm. Men dangle the promise of love to obtain Damn, sex. Damn, I never thought of it that way. And women lose every time. So the only thing wow. a woman can do is to slow down the sexual pace. And why do I say a woman can do? Because in Power our of the v. crazy culture, yeah, because Men want sex a little more than women do, yeah. first of all. And secondly, in our crazy culture, mm-hmm. um, men are, well, biologically, sperm chases mm-hmm. egg, mm-hmm. not the reverse. Okay, yeah. So at the very essence, uh, he's going to have a lot more energy for that. Mm-hmm. Here's the other interesting thing. So when I hear about this sexual double standard, and yes, we all want it erased. We want to evolve out of the sexual double standard, the one that gives men points for sexual experience and gives women demerit points for the same sexual experience. We want to erase that dialogue completely. We don't want to shame women for sexual experience. However, 
men are hardwired to have this belief system. In our anthropological past, if he risked hooking up with a promiscuous woman, he risked giving his time, talents, treasure, protein, protection to another man's genes. We call those cuckolds, cuckolds, men who raise, uh, it happens in the animal Mm. species everywhere. Some birds go and leave their eggs in other birds' nests. I mean, we try to get other people to do the work Mm. of raising our kids because it's really hard work, all right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, the guy who went, you know, honey, just knock yourself out. I'm going out hunting today and uh, enjoy the village. Have fun with those guys. I'll see you when I come home. He fell out of evolution's chain. That guy does not exist today. The one who said, where are you going? Who are you with? What? No, you stay near me. Mm-hmm. He's alive and well today. Yeah. And he's the one screaming, I need a paternity test. All right. <laughs> All right. So what happens is men don't realize it, but unconsciously they are wired to value the woman who actually doesn't put out early. Mm. And now we're in this place of total sexual freedom. I'm making quotation marks with my fingers. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Ladies, adopting a male model of anything isn't female freedom. I agree. Not at all. Actually, I had a, I also had a, I had a male therapist tell me that too. Not to say I actually, even though I'm not somebody who gets as emotionally attached, does not mean that I sleep around or I sleep with everybody that I meet or that I'm even interested in. Because you have more that average should, female. Sexual yeah, it just desire, means right. that in when I'm actually having contact, I just make certain choices where I'm like, oh, I've already put you in a category that I know you wouldn't actually have long-term potential. But the people who do have long-term potential, I had a male therapist tell me, he's like, why don't you just wait? And he he was just like, so next time, just test it out. Just wait for a month, wait two months, just see. And you know you raise your value in his eyes. Oh, and it's exactly that. And that was exactly it. I just learned that men like to earn what, earn their basic like whatever they like to earn money yeah don't we all want a bigger better deal Mm -hmm. and we want someone who's cool and has boundaries but there's something there's something about a man and specifically earning it and i feel like when you when they feel like oh you've waited you've gotten to or for the woman you've waited you've gotten to know them you feel like comfortable you feel like oh this is actually somebody who i might have shared values with for long term they feel like oh they've actually they're starting to put in more energy towards everybody beyond just the physical stuff. Yeah. Everyone wants to earn something mm-hmm. that's hard. So I, the reason why my recent book is called The 30-Day Love Detox was based around a study I found that showed that if you have sex within the first 30 days mm-hmm. of dating somebody, now these are for people who are looking for long-term relationships, right? Uh, first 30 days of meeting somebody, you have a 90% chance of being broken up within one mm. year. However, if you waited just 45 days, you take that down to more like That's 60%. usually what I, mine yeah. is around 45-ish yeah. with somebody Can I really like. you believe like, if you wait all the way till 90 days? You actually have a one in four chance you'll Mm. be together a year later. So why is that? Because what happens when you're not busy knocking boots is your prefrontal cortex is interviewing and evaluating and making Mm. decisions about whether this person is worthy to expose your eggs and your bloodstream to. Right. And I'm always amazed that women won't give their keys to their apartment to a stranger man to water their plants while they're out of town, but they will expose their eggs and their bloodstream to him. It's amazing, Mm. isn't it? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, so what you're doing when you're waiting and having all that fun foreplay that's leading up to it and all the flirtation is you're actually falling in love. Aww, that exists. Yeah, if you're just allow getting it to. to know somebody. Yeah. Um, we have to continue this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about. I want to continue to talk about a few more mistakes that people make 
in the first 90 days so we can address those? And also, how can we pace ourselves in the first 90 days? Yeah, Maybe you can give us some advice on how can we do that. You need to go get a deep tissue massage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go to this message, but we're going to be back with Dr. Wendy Walsh. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts during Clean Car Month for great deals on everything you need to keep your car looking new, like Mother's California Gold Car Wash, now $4.99 for a 64-ounce bottle, plus earn double O rewards points. Bring out your vehicle shine with Mother's California Gold Car Wash at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey guys, we're back. You're listening to Kind of Dating. I'm Natasha Chandel here with Dr. Wendy Walsh. Uh, talking the first 90 days. So I want to ask you a little bit more about some of the mistakes that we make in the first 90 days. Be- besides just having sex, I think it's also things like we're just not honest and upfront about you had mentioned this, where we want the relationship to go. Well, you know, that's the first thing. You really just have to ask yourself mm-hmm. what you're looking for and be clear about that. And maybe people don't know, you know in the beginning. I always say that women are really good at making plans. Right. We plan our education. Mm-hmm. We plan our retirement fund. We plan our savings. We plan our weddings. We plan. We are planners. Yeah. But we don't plan our relationship life. Mm-hmm. And we seem to ignore. And I, I speak largely in my recent book to the 80% of women out there who want to become mothers. Mm. And we just ignore this fertility window that men just don't have. You know, men yeah. can wait until they're in their 40s, marry a gal who's 27, 28. And society accepts and it. Do. And they do, right? So that takes yet another group off the market. And so I think in this high supply sexual economy, If there is a woman out there who wants to become a mother, and, you know, unfortunately, I'll say it, unfortunately, we're not socialist enough. We don't have enough social policies to support single parents yet. So sadly, the best deal we have for good outcomes for kids is two people with a biological interest in that kid living in the same Mm -hmm, house, helping mm -hmm. them out, right? And so we kind of want a guy to hang around long enough. Um, And so what women don't do is they don't get strategic and they need to. They how need to does a girl my, get strategic? Well, <clears throat> in my book, I actually talk about how to cur- uh, to calculate how long your fertility window is, looking at the date of your first period when your mother became menopausal, and you can actually figure out how many years you're fertile, oh, right? Dang. And you need to start that at the beginning, right? And then go, okay. And then, how many years do I want to devote to my education? How many years do I want to devote to career yeah. building? When do I want to have that baby? These are all intellectual decisions. We right. think well, women walk around going, well, you know, if it happens. If I just meet the guy, if it happens for me, right. no, no, no. This is not a Vegas lottery, ladies. <laughs> you created well, everything else in your think, life. You're going to create. I this actually too. think that uh, most women do feel that kind of uh, urge eventually. But I agree that a lot aren't, especially in our generation, aren't upfront that they want a serious relationship. I think the bigger problem. And why do you think that is? Because they want, they just want the, I don't know, maybe it's just like they want the guy to like them. And so they just don't want to tell them exactly where, because guys aren't as committal. Yeah, we don't and, have grooms magazines. Yeah, you know, so they, like my girlfriends just try to, like you said, they try to act like they're the cool girl and then they will, You're you know, they'll get right. the guy to change his mind. So what women do is the exact opposite of what you need to do to get a commitment out of a guy. First of all, 
Uh, the first mistake is trying to find this one particular guy and going, okay, he's the one that mm-hmm. I have my sights on. And now I'm going to get that guy to make a commitment. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Ladies, it starts from, <laughs> I'm going to survey the pack and I'm going to identify the commitment-oriented men. It's so true. It's yes. so true. You just got to figure out who's at that state of Look, readiness. My, my girlfriend, uh, one of my girlfriends made me go through her Tinder. And she was like, how come like all these like douchebags like hit her up? I'm like, girl, douchebags look like douchebags. I'm just going to say it straight up. Like You can see somebody's profile yeah, why picture. Why are you messaging them? You can, exactly. And if why you're you going to message them? them, then 100%. Exactly. Like, I have never to date gotten a dick pic or anything because I won't engage with that dude. Right. I can see it from his face and I'm Women not going to engage. lead it all in the early stages yeah. of it. 100%. And guys, that means don't fucking send me any dick pics now, okay? Right, right. No. Be really we don't off. like those. No, they're, they're ugly. They're so ugly. I don't We are not it. so visually... 4% of women are high testosterone women who are visually wired. See? We are not that. No, I am not that. Um, <laughs> you know, I found a boyfriend in three weeks on Tinder. I have oh, had him for shit. two years now and I used a very specific strategy Wait, that what I developed did you use? myself. <laughs> tell um, us, tell us, tell okay, us. So what I here was my rules, and I tell everybody these rules. They're great rules. Is the first thing you need to do is go through and choose men based on not just the looks and eliminate things like the dude with no shirt on on a black oh, leather yeah, couch. It's the dude terrible. holding a, a video camera standing in front of a bed. Like mm-hmm. they're they're telling you visually yeah, yeah, what yeah, they're yeah, there exactly for. Okay, who they so are. you don't even click on them, no matter how cute you think they are. Um, women, of course, read. So mm-hmm. we actually read the little. Mm-hmm. And if the guy can't even string a few words together in his little profile, just don't. don't I, I don't care how cute he is. If he can't write a sentence, he's not going to be able to sign I his hate, name on a I marriage certificate. I literally, no matter how gorgeous you are, if you have nothing in your profile, I'm like, oh, you think you're that fucking great yeah. that you don't have to write a single word about yourself right. while other people are here kind of pitching themselves? Like, no. Exactly. So then what I want you to do is go through and click on those ones and do those matches and never ever 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 send the first message once you're a match because but what about bumble sperm chases it forget bumble let's talk okay. about tinder tinder is the world's greatest database for human beings it's true. and it is not a hookup app it's whatever app you want it to be that's true i it. agree yeah. yep so do not send the first message mm-hmm. a guy needs to chase a little bit now if four or five days go by and he has not messaged you and you've been a match be strong ladies Swipe and delete him. He's gone. What finding a great commitment-oriented guy who's a good match for you is about finding the needle in the haystack. So every time you swipe and get rid of somebody, you're digging deeper to get closer to your man. Yeah. Okay? So if you don't hear from him, swipe him. He's gone. Don't think about it. Gone. Don't. Gone. Then he sends the first text. Now the big mistake women are is they get women do is they get into this stupid text relationship, mm. which you know text can be misread and humor never works and guys just want to keep you there as a sort of backup mate while they have fifteen other women on. Yeah, t- yeah. No, no, no. You you do maybe two or three texts and you move very quickly to a phone interview. Remember, you're in the driver's seat. You're doing the interviewing. So by nice. the third text, you say something like. Hey, if you want to continue this conversation, give me a call sometime. And you be brave and put your cell phone number in the text. Ladies, you know there's all this technology to block people now. They're not a creeper. They're not going to find out where you live. Yeah, They're not going to yeah, be calling yeah. you at odd hours. And if they are calling you at odd hours, why then are you again, picking up? Then again, X them too. Why are you yeah. picking up? Yeah. Why haven't you blocked that number? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Right? You give your cell phone number. Mm-hmm. You schedule a phone interview. You don't call it a phone interview. You just say, hey, let's chat by phone sometime. Yeah. Right? Then they call. And in that phone interview... 
you get now vocal tone. You don't get body language. You don't get pheromones, but you get vocal tone to go along with everything else. Mm. And in that phone interview, you will probably know in 20 minutes where you'd, if you'd even want to waste a cup of coffee with this mm. guy. So then after you get off the phone and you always get off the phone first. <laughs> always sorry oh my god I, I'm sorry I'm late for this meeting I gotta run I didn't realize how fast the time I gotta go gotta go jump off that phone yeah. leave him wanting more do right. not do it if you talked to him for an hour the first time, you have like given him all the goods. I, do, I can't even hold a fucking conversation with somebody I, for 10 minutes right. on the phone You anymore. give 20 minutes and you jump off. Then if you know you don't want to waste a cup of coffee on this guy, you have a pre-canned text, which I did. That was super sweet. A what? A pre-canned, pre-done. Oh, pre-canned text. A canned right, text right, right. that you just shoot off that says, you cut and paste it. And it says, hey, you, something personal at the beginning. Like, hey, it was so great chatting. I hope uh, your daughter's wedding goes well. Look, I don't think romance is in the cards for us, but I'll keep you in mind if I have a friend. <laughs> That's it. I'll keep you in mind if you have a friend. That's friend awesome. might be interesting. So what? The guy gets let off the hook easily. He's not left there hanging. Don't we hate it when we're yeah, left there yeah. hanging? No, and I agree. Ghosted, right? I agree with that. Yeah. I have had responses I tell people where guys up. write back and go, thanks. You know, thanks for letting me know. 100%. And keep you in mind, whatever. And then I've had mostly silence. Nobody has texted me back and said, fuck you, bitch. Right? 100%. Never. Yeah. Right? As long as you do it respectfully, most people Light don't respect. do it. Yeah. So then you get rid of, then you swipe and delete him off your thing. Right. And now you keep narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. Then you move to the coffee date, and it has to be, I call them drive-by dates. Mm-hmm. They're, they're less than an hour. They're 45 minutes. It's not the real date. The real date is what happens next. Mm-hmm. And so I probably matched with 15 men. I had phone conversations with seven of them. I met three for coffee. No, nope. four for coffee, two for dinner dates. And then just like The Bachelorette, I narrowed it down to my boyfriend. Wow. And I went on the second date with him. You know, I actually think like when I'm hearing that back, that is the exact same approach a, a dude should take also when they're trying to, because a lot of my guy friends are like, oh, I don't know why I can't find a girl. I'm like, because you're dating the same bitch. Like, right. you know, like you're dating the same kind of girl and girls, we're dating the same kind of douche. So like, let's Well, let's keep talk real. about that. So underneath all of these technology and mechanisms are the fact that we all have a psychological attachment style. Yeah. And we take the primary relationship that we had with our closest caregivers in early life. It's always daddy issues. In the first year often when our brain triples in size, we store it as feelings in our brain and we store it as a roadmap, a blueprint for love. And then we go out and we find somebody who will make us feel the exact same way. Even if the feelings were sad and hurt and lonely Mm -hmm. and whatever, we'll find that person every time. And we're going to fix it this time. We're going to get daddy to stay. We're going to get mommy to not be a narcissist. We're going to find a way to make it right this time. Because relationships are a gymnasium for our minds. Mm. So part and parcel with having the technological savvy to be able to swipe and get rid of somebody that's not appropriate or delay the onset of the sexual relationship. The other work is the personal work you have to do in therapy to grow, Mm -hmm. where you have to figure out what your issues are and why you're dating the same person over and over. They just wear a different shirt. Yeah. And why, I mean, and it's another reason of why these, the first 90 days, like the, some of the mistakes that we do make are things like word vomiting and, and, you know, just saying, you are X, Y, Z to me. Like, I really think you are everything because you're not, you haven't dealt with other shit and you're just. All you see in the first 90 days, well, the first few dates for sure, are your projections. Mm -hmm. You're projecting onto that person who you wish they were. Exactly. Who you think they are. When actually your unconscious mind doesn't even want them to be that person, that perfect person. Mm -hmm. They want them to be the hurtful person or the abandoning person because that's what you need 
need, I'm making quotation marks, need right. to fulfill your blueprint for love. Yeah. So changing your blueprint is the thing that needs to happen. Yeah. So while I get all of all, everything you're saying, what about the people who would argue love at first sight? Or like, I knew, I just knew from the moment I saw them. Mm-hmm. What about those that's people? Their projections. They saw a blank movie screen and they shone their movie on mm-hmm. it. That's what it was. And it wasn't love at first sight because love is something that takes a long time to grow. Love is something that uh, involves communication and emotional intimacy. Right. What If you see somebody who triggers something in you, some response, mm-hmm. that is called lust. Right. And that's, that's what I tell sexual people. attraction. And often I will say that when the sex is hottest at the beginning, that's often an indicator if you've been the kind of person who's been in tragic relationships or traumatic right. bonds, um, your sexuality leads you right back there every time. Right, right, right. So one indicator that this is going to go all bad is hot sex from the beginning. Okay, 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 okay. Argument though. Uh-huh. So even though we're talking about like waiting and doing all of that stuff, what if like at some point you got you to gotta have a test run? Right. So isn't for what about those people who argue you should have a test run sooner than later? Okay, so the idea that you have to test out the sexual chemistry needed in the relationship because you're going to need that sexual chemistry in the long run. Is that what you're saying? Yes. All right. So the research actually doesn't support that. In one study of more than 2000 couples, they found that those had the that had the hottest sexual chemistry early on, had the worst relationship outcomes. The most conflict, Mm. the higher breakup rates, the more divorce rates later. Um, In fact, sexual chemistry is something that you grow together. It's something that you build. It happens through good sexual communication, through experimentation, through humor, through fun. And that all comes out of emotional intimacy. So the idea that you need to test out the sexual chemistry, and let me tell you, in a long-term relationship, the sex becomes less and less important because it gets Everybody replaced. Everybody says that, but I don't know about but that. But it gets replaced by something so <laughs> no, much more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. So much- I agree that like sex feels better when you're when you're in love with that person, and being in love with that person takes time, and right. it always grows and evolves. So that makes sense. Right. And there will be a day down the road, girl, where you might have bleeding nipples and a bleeding hemorrhoid. His mother is more important to you than him at that point, And you yeah. don't care if there's sexual chemistry for like another year. Though, though also, I've also been in like two two relationships. One where I spent fucking six months talking to this dude. And then, and okay, this is back in my old commitment phobe days. I used to only date people who are out of state or out of the country. So I had an old way of doing commitment phobe. Old, she has a newer now, way now. No, yeah. now, now they're at least closer. <laughs> Um, it's a step. Like an hour away. Uh, but uh, so the that guy was like a six month long distance relationship. When he finally came down, it was terrible. And I was like, son, I can't fix this. Like, there's nothing I can do. And well, and I would say just, that you probably sort of were attracted to that. But that's because, true. You know, I will yeah. admit one thing, though. When when we met in person, there were just a bunch of other problems. Yeah. So I think that probably like Again, carried you were over having a into relationship with your yeah, projections yeah, yeah, up yeah. to that point. And you built up to such a big thing. It mm-hmm. was only once you put someone on that big of a pedestal, yeah. it was only falling down. That's um, true. But I do want to say it's not like no sex, no sex, no sex, sex, sex. Okay, sex. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, now we'll hold hands. Right. Now we'll kiss. Now Holding we'll hands do, is awesome. Yeah, now we'll it feels do a great. back massage. Yeah. Now we'll do some kissing. It is a slow progress where right. you are getting sexual chemistry and energy and signals without 
risking right. your bloodstream and your eggs. So how how do how do we pace relationships? What if the other person is trying to speed it up and you don't want to? Or what if you have a tendency to speed shit up? What can we do? Yeah, well, the world's biggest aphrodisiac is the word no, right? This so they true. do want to speed it up as soon as you try to slow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just on either gender. That's the way yeah. it works, right? In fact, I used to know a guy years ago, and he said the way he got laid every time is he would never, ever touch the woman for like two whole weeks of dating, seeing them a few times yeah. a week, and then they would eventually tack him. It was like And I have to admit, yeah. uh, again, as, as a girl... I, when I told guys I didn't want to be their girlfriend was when they wanted to be, yeah, even a hundred times more. Yeah. I'm like, I just said I don't. Goes back to figuring out who you are and what you want. Yeah. I am not against a fun one night frolic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not against having a hookup relationship with no strings attached. I speak, however, in my writing to young women who want to become mothers. And they are on a race against the clock because of their fertility window. Yes. And their job is to find a commitment-oriented guy. So, you know, no judgment. We have the widest range of human sexual behavior, of sexual behavior of any primate out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally. Do you know how anthropologists know this, by the way? You know how they tell how how promiscuous or monogamous a species is? How? Ball size. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's the gonads, it's the, the testes. So what happens is you awesome. look at chimpanzees, mm-hmm. huge giant balls in comparative to relative <laughs> small body size, very promiscuous. At the other end of the scale, you've got orangutans, teeny little chestnuts, huge hulking body, <laughs> very paternal, very commitment oriented. And human beings are somewhere in the in middle. Between. Yeah. That's why it's like a fucking 50-50 if you can get them to commit. Right. It's bullshit. If he's got big balls, though, worry. <laughs> I was going to say that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a ruler out next time and be like, uh, let's... Yeah. Uh... It's not the penis, it's the balls. <laughs> Trust me. We even use that language in our culture. How ballsy of you. That guy's got big balls. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, again, how, how do we pace this relationship? I think do, we should also just learn to, like... What you're saying isn't just it's not to say just weed people out and and follow a formula. It's also like it's okay to enjoy your time with somebody, but not. But like I had a therapist tell me something that has carried over with me. It was watch and observe. So during the watch period doesn't mean you can't have fun, doesn't mean you can't go on all the dates, doesn't mean you can't meet their friends or or even you should be meeting their friends. Even if it means meeting their family. Like I've had dudes like almost every guy I've ever dated has made me meet their family like very quickly. That's part of the evaluation process. Yeah. But some people take it so seriously. I'm like, look, it's totally cool. You might as well know earlier than later if. Yeah we like each other or, or how we Again, behave around back each other. To the goals. Mm-hmm. If your goals, those people who say, oh, it's too much to meet his family are people that don't want to, don't see a future with this yeah. guy, right? Yeah. So if you are evaluating somebody as a potential long-term mate, you want to evaluate his friends and what they're doing. If you're looking for a commitment-oriented guide, you want to see what the friends are doing. If, if the guy friends are still running off to bachelor weekends in Vegas and hanging mm-hmm. out with strippers and all that, he's not ready. This is true. But if his friends are all getting married, if you're going to true. a baby be christening a first birthday party with him or mm-hmm. whatever you're like oh are you going to weddings with yep. him right there are lots of different mating markets yeah and there are those that are you know buying sex at a really cheap price the price of one well-worded text and there are those that charge a very high price for sex and that's care and commitment 
You know, when you put that, <laughs> that really made me think about it in a very different way. Yeah, it's an economy mm-hmm. like anything else. Mm-hmm. And right now we are in a high supply sexual economy. Look, in, in my grandmother's age in 1950, the average length, uh, well, the cost of sex was a wedding. Mm-hmm. And the average length of time from first time meeting to... Um, uh, from first time meeting to altar was about six months. Mm. Uh, then in my generation in the 1980s, we had the three date rule. It was three very expensive dinner dates in order to obtain sex. Uh, today, sex can be had for the barrel bottom price of one well-worded text, right? Yeah. So the question is, even in a, so we have a high supply, there's too much sex out there. It's too available to everybody. So even when there's a bumper crop of tomatoes and the price of tomatoes goes down to one cent a head, there's still a market for one organic heirloom artisan tomato who sells for two bucks. Mm. What are you going to be in the mating marketplace? Well, she just fucking told all of us. <laughs> so, you know what, Wendy Walsh? <laughs> I want to be the artisan tomato. That's right. <laughs> Everybody out there is going to have to wait a long ass time now. That's no. right. Um, Just fertilize yourself. <laughs> Dr. Wendy Walsh. This was such an awesome conversation. I knew Thank there you. was like a great reason. I really, really wanted you on. Um, also fellow RTA or Air 5 to that. That's right. Um, We're going to do five questions. It's our dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire. I ask every guest the exact same five questions. Sure. Um, I let you interpret it the way you interpret it. Uh, Are you ready? I am. I'm giving my 13-year-old the password to my Starbucks app. (laughs) Even though I gave her money. That podcast life. There's shit going on, guys, while this is all taking place. Okay. Um, All right, Wendy, you ready? Yep. Here are your five questions. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Their eyes. Because the eyes, we, I know the cliche, are a window to the soul. But the eyes really tell us if the person can connect. Mm-hmm. The eyes really tell us if the person is thoughtful, is smart, mm-hmm. is nervous, has high self-esteem, low self-esteem. But we're really looking into the eyes mm-hmm. for evidence of whether this person could be a mate for us. Mm-hmm. What is your one deal breaker? Broke. If you're broke and you can't even support yourself, do not even ask me to support you. I am an independent feminist woman who became a single mother 12 years ago and nearly fell into poverty after making $300,000 a year. There are no supports for single mothers. So if you want me to go out on a date for you, you pay for with you. You pay for absolutely everything and my child care. Done. (laughs) Yes. You tell them. Yep. What turns you on? Intelligence. I hate this word sapiosexual. It's so in on dating sites. But is it really? I, Goddamn, yeah. who uses that word? <laughs> it's, oh, it's all over now. I think it's even something you can click on eHarmony or something or really? okay, Cupid. Yeah, sapiosexual. And it means being in love with someone's intelligence because, mm. you know, being a woman of a certain age, you know, gone are the days where my peers are going to have the hard, hard bodies or something great to look at. But they better keep me alive at the mm-hmm. dinner table with great conversation. And in fact, my boyfriend and I are always like, did you see this article in the New York Times? Well, I'll look, I looked at this study and it said that like we're two little geeks. I'm sure if somebody listened to us talk, they'd be like, OK, these two are weird. Though I just came back from Australia and I have to admit those like the older guys and women even. Oh, my God. People are in such great shape. Yeah. God damn, Australians. Um, besides, oh, no, wait, this one. Tell us one of your dating strengths and weaknesses. Weaknesses, I talk too much. 
mm-hmm. because women should listen more. You're there evaluating. Mm-hmm. Uh, strengths. I am a really warm person and I've traveled the world and I can connect it with anybody on any level. I, I just see human beings first. So, I'm a, I mean, I hate to say it. But if I'm out on a date with you, every guy leaves wishing for more. Ooh, <laughs> confident too. I'm a good, I could sell it, you know? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a good, also, I think because I was raised military, so I was a new kid in class every single year for 10 years out of, oh, grade, uh, we had grade 13 in my day. So out of oh, 13 grade years 13, of school, the way we just said that. That's right, grade I 13. I had that too. Uh, and I went to 10 different schools. So I'm good at first impressions and being the new kid mm-hmm. in class and knowing how to make friends fast. Nice. So that and translates into entertaining. So you know this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Besides, I love you. What three words would you want your partner to tell you? Three words. I want them to tell me. It's actually more than three. Let's see. Must be three. Must be three. Can I help? Aww. Yeah, the fucker should help. Yeah. You know, I was driving with my kid today, and she's like, "Uh, so, Mom, will you drive me here? I'm like, no. And then I I, I said, why don't you call John? Because she never really reaches out to my boyfriend. He's been around two years now. And uh, I said, you know, you got to understand that having a mate means that they're helpful, and they should make your life better. Totally. And she goes, oh. Like, he could be useful. I'm like, yeah, text him. See if he'll drive you to the Third Street Promenade. Yeah. Go to Lululemon. Whatever. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Dr. Wendy Walsh, for being on the show today. How can nice um, our fans find you? I am everywhere online. Everything is streamlined as Dr. Wendy Walsh, just Dr. Wendy Walsh. That includes Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Uh, I have a podcast. Yeah, it's on, it's on all the podcast places too. Doctor, the Doctor Wendy Walsh Show. And yeah, my website, everything through my website. It's okay. easy, easy. And what's your website? drwendywalsh.com. There you go. Um, thank you again for being on, guys. Follow us on socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Kind of Dating. And Kind of Dating is presented by Meltdown Comics. Come visit us, 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Hey, take a few seconds, review us on iTunes. I'd appreciate it. And uh, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. And finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. The show is produced by myself and Mason Booker, who's also the audio engineer. Our associate producer is Aisha Holden. Opening music composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.